dive into God's Word, I just want to say this quickly, and I really want to say this from the bottom of my heart. I know it's uh, Pastor's Appreciation Month, and uh, I want to thank you for the kind cards and comments and, and gifts and all the things. You, this church has always been so kind to uh, me and my family, and I want to say thank you for that. But I want to say that the appreciation really does go both ways. I love you guys. I love our church family. I, I can't imagine ever doing anything else in life other than journeying together in kingdom work. And I believe we're doing a great work in God's kingdom. And uh, I want to say thank you. And I love you. I pray for you often. And I appreciate you. So thank you so much. If you can take your Bibles out, turn to Matthew chapter 24, we will pick up where we left off in the End is Near series. We're in a series on the end times, and um, we're going to look today, we've gone up to the time of the tribulation. Oh, Pastor Fred is waving at me, I hope, uh, hope it's not something serious. <laughs> I did not know. I did not. Yeah, a lot of kids last night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, there we go. <laughs> Meg, good job, Meg. Good job, Laura. All right. All right. The winners have already been announced. Now you know where to go, so... I still think Leslie's chili is the best, but I'm just saying. And uh, in fact, she, she named the chili, it's a hot chili, she named it appropriately today, um, Tribulation Chili. So the great Tribulation Chili, it's in the hot category. How many know if your chili, or let's say you have a bottle of hot sauce and it's called the Great Tribulation, how many know that that is gonna be, that's gonna be pretty hot, right? And um, so we are gonna talk about the tribulation today, which is probably the most unexciting thing for a pastor to ever talk about, but um, we kinda know what it's like to go through the tribulation here in 
Chicago with the Cubs right now. It's just, this is killing me. I mean, we're up late every night. It's, it's uh, I will say this though, if there was ever a team that could win three games in a row, it's this team. And uh, so we'll be cheering tonight. Uh, but uh, we know what it's like to go through the tribulation, don't we? We, uh, we know what that's like. But uh, really, to be honest with you, I know I'm making light. We're talking about Chile and the Cubs, but there is a great tribulation coming. And the Bible talks about it. It, it warns us about it. And, and deep down, we know it's coming. We know something bad is coming. And the Bible is always future-focused. It's prophetic. It wants to tell us what's ahead. And so today I want to talk about the Great Tribulation. I want to talk to you about what God says in his word about that. When studying the end times, there's a lot of uh, words that come up. There are, there's a lot of events that happen. And so I did this little diagram. I know it, it's probably not going to mean a lot right now, but I'll, I'll kind of explain it as we go through. So that you kind of have a timeline of events and allow me to define some terms that will come up. We'll read today and throughout your reading this week, if you choose to read all the scriptures that I give you in our, our, our time together today, um, you're going to kind of have this phrase that comes up again and again called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. That is talking about the end times. It's not a 24-hour uh, day. It's a time period that speaks of the return of the Lord. So if you ever read in the New Testament the day of the Lord, you know it's speaking of his return. In the timeline here, we have the cross and the beginning of the church, and we live in what this sea right here is called the church age. That's where we're living right now. The next big thing on God's calendar is the rapture. That's what the R stands for at the beginning of the tribulation. Now, I'm actually going to preach on the rapture next weekend. You can say, well, why are you preaching on it before the tribulation if it comes next? And the reason is, is if you don't know what the tribulation is, you won't know why we're raptured. So I want to give you why we're going to be raptured. The rapture is when we're caught up in the air to be with Jesus. It's not the second coming when he comes back, but again, it's before that, and we'll talk about all of that and show you where that's in the Bible next week. But after the rapture comes the tribulation, and this is a seven-year time period. That's why the word seven is, or the number seven is there. The T stands for tribulation. It's broken into two parts. It's called the Great Tribulation because it will be the worst time our world has ever seen. It will be horrendous in every way. And I will take time toward the end of this message to describe everything that will happen in the tribulation. And that's why I'm not looking forward necessarily to the next several minutes together. But I need to tell you what's coming. I need to tell you what the Bible says. If you come to Jesus after the rapture, Christians will be hunted down and killed. That's why we need to be ready for Jesus to come back at any time. And the Bible is very clear, this will be the worst moment in human history. It's so bad, it's not just talked about in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation. Jesus talks about it in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's actually in the Old Testament as well. And there's not just a few verses on the tribulation, there are entire passages on the tribulation. And if we, if we took the time to read, I mean, there's literally chapters upon chapters that I'll give you that you can look at this week. But I'm going to give them to you now and so that you can study them and look if you want. But there are several Old Testament passages. First of all, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 5 through 7, talks about how this will be a time of fear, a time of terror. And he says literally how awful that day will be. 
Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, verses 34 through 38, talks about how God is going to outpour his wrath on this earth. That the people that are there, the earth will pass under his rod of discipline and he will purge out those who revolt and rebel against God. In Ezekiel chapter 22, 19 through 22, he talks about it being a furnace that we will go through, that there will be a, a time of his anger and wrath and there will be again a purging through the furnace fire. Daniel chapter 12, along with Daniel chapter 9 as well, talk about a great time of distress, unlike any other the world has ever seen. And so throughout the Old Testament, it talks about this time that is coming, but it's also found in the book of Revelation, and specifically Revelation 6 through 19. Revelation 6 through 19. This is when God will pour out his judgment on sinful mankind, and all of the earth will suffer. It's a time that we can't even begin to imagine. When I begin to describe in a few moments what's going to be taking place during the tribulation, it's hard to even wrap our minds around what is coming. And that's why I believe the Bible warns us again and again and again to be ready. We need to know what's coming so that we are ready for the rapture. I believe, excuse me, in a pre-tribulation rapture, and I'll explain why next week, but I believe that we are gone before this tribulation begins. At the end of the tribulation, this A stands for the battle of Armageddon. There will be a final battle. The A is that final battle. It's the battle when the Antichrist and the armies of this world march against Israel and there is that final showdown. They are coming against Israel and they are prepared to destroy Israel, but that's when the Bible tells us in Revelation 19 that Jesus will return at that moment. And Jesus will defeat the Antichrist and his armies, and Zechariah prophesies that Jesus will enter through the east gate of Jerusalem and establish his kingdom. And that's what the M stands for, the millennium. Then on into eternity, but there will be the millennium reign of Christ, that he rules and reigns in the new Jerusalem. So that's the time period. Let's look at what Jesus says about the tribulation is Matthew chapter 24. Picking up where we left off last time, everything Jesus talked to up to last time is before the tribulation, and now the tribulation comes. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let no one on the housetop go down and take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Jesus begins to tell us about the tribulation, and the future really has never looked so bad. The tribulation is that seven-year time period, and, and there's going to be graphic and gruesome evil and violence. It's going to be terrible and frightening. And Jesus in this passage tells us that midway through this time, the Antichrist is going to put up an idol, a statue of himself, 
inside of the temple that has been rebuilt and sacrifices are being made, and he is going to demand worship of that idol. I find it interesting, isn't it, that the devil has always wanted to be worshipped. The devil's always wanted this. And he knows that this is the moment, this is the end, this is where it's going to be, and it's going to be that moment in that time. See, the Antichrist, when they first come on the scene, he'll be or she'll be a person of peace, and everyone will love this person, and they will have a treaty with Israel. But then this Antichrist will break his treaty, and he will be exposed for who he really is at this moment. And Jesus says, when you see this, run. Jump up. Run. Get out of there. Don't take anything. It's time to flee. Do not turn back. Do not stop. Do not get anything. And then we see that familiar refrain from the end times, when this time comes, pray. You're to pray. To run away because this is going to happen. Get out as fast as you can. Jesus teaches us some things in this passage of Scripture, and the first one is is that God knows when enough is enough. God knows when enough is enough. He says in that last verse, if these days had not been cut short, it would have been the end. Jesus knows right when to show up. And I want to tell you, that's true for our lives, isn't it? God knows right when to show up. You might be going through a tribulation time right now. You might be going through a difficult time right now. But I want to tell you, God's there to build you, not to break you. And God's doing things in your life, and it's going to build you. And he knows when you're about to break, he's going to come in. He's going to take care of you. He loves you. He's good. His love endures forever. There are things we have to go through in life. There are things, but God knows when enough is enough. He knows that at the end times, and he knows that in our life. Second thing we learn is that we can't live our life business as usual. Can't live life business as usual. If we know these things are coming, we can't just live our life any ordinary way. This world that we live in forces us to bow to it. It forces us to fit into its mold. It says you have to be like this. Things. And so we live a life that looks like everybody else's, and we hide our faith, and, and we don't even think about the end times, and we just live life as it comes. This is what teenagers do. This is what adults do. This is what parents do. This is, what this is just what we do. This is just life. But we have to live with the end in mind. We have to live ready that Jesus can come back at any time. We have to live ready. The next thing we learn is that by the time the world realizes, it'll be too late. So we have to have our hope in Jesus. If you do not have your hope in Jesus, you're taking quite a chance. Because everything that we put our faith in, everything that we know, everything we depend on will be gone. It will be destroyed. The only person, place, or thing that we can rely on is Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is the only way out. This entire universe, as we know it, will be destroyed. And before it's made new, there will be this ultimate destruction. And we need to know Jesus. We need to be ready. We need to be rescued by him. Today, now, I'm going to give you exactly what's going to happen during the tribulation, and um, it's going to be maybe hard to hear or difficult to wrap our mind around, but this is what the Bible teaches us, that at the midpoint of the seven years, there are going to be seven trumpet judgments that fall on all of humanity. 
And you can read about these in Revelation 8 through 13. Obviously, that's such a long passage of Scripture, we couldn't read it together today, but you can read it this week. And here are the seven trumpet judgments that fall on humanity. The first trumpet is that hail and fire fall on the earth. There's this hail and this fire that fall on the earth, and it says that a third of all vegetation will be destroyed. And so we see the beginning of the end here as this hail and fire fall from the sky. In the second trumpet, a huge burning mountain is thrown into the sea, and a third of all the sea life dies. This will be a volcanic eruption like we have never seen before, perhaps maybe even an entire continent going up in smoke. But this is going to happen at the second trumpet. On the third trumpet, a great star or meteor, uh, depending how you take the translation, crashes into the earth and pollutes all of the water sources. So we have this, this cataclysmic event when a meteor hits the earth, and then people not only die from that, but they also die from the poisoning in the water supply. In the fourth trumpet, the sun, moon, and stars are diminished by a third. They begin to dim out. Maybe it's because of the things that already have happened through the volcanic ash or, or through the, the knocking the earth or, or whatever it is from the meteor, but somehow, some way, the sun, moon, and stars are diminished by a third. In the fifth trumpet, an angel opens a stronghold where demonic forces have been confined, and they begin to swarm out and torment humankind. Right now, the Spirit of God is holding back demonic forces from just roaming the earth and doing whatever they want. And there's going to be a moment in the tribulation where those evil spirits are let out, and they can just do whatever they want. And those demonic spirits are going to come out and swarm and torment humankind. In the sixth trumpet, the massive armies from the east will begin to move toward Israel, spreading destruction in their path. So in the battle of Armageddon, the, this army of the Antichrist and, and the armies of this world, they're not just going to destroy Israel. They're destroying everything on the way to Israel. In the seventh trumpet, those in heaven rejoice over God's triumph. We will be in heaven cheering Jesus on. And that will be a good ending. But in, before that ending, we have the Antichrist reigning here on this earth. And the Antichrist, at, at this midpoint, in this section here, is going to suffer, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, a head wound that appears to kill him or her. So there's this head wound of the Antichrist, this fatal wound to the head, perhaps by an assassin, we're not quite sure, but, but this fatal head wound happens, and yet the Antichrist miraculously survives. And we believe that this is perhaps when Satan completely overtakes the body of the Antichrist, and it's actually Satan incarnate as the Antichrist. And so at this point, there is what we call the mark of the beast, and perhaps you've heard of this in, in talking about the end times, but this is when the mark of the East beast begins, and without a mark on your forehead or your right hand, you won't be able to buy or sell or hold a job or really escape uh, arrest at that time. And, and those that come to Jesus after uh, the rapture because they were left behind and they discover they will have to stay away from the mark of the beast and avoid that. But that will happen during those moments. In the very final moments of the tribulation, what happens, and this is in Revelation chapter 16, so you can read Revelation chapter 16. It says, The seven angels carrying bowls 
that represent God's wrath appear, and they begin to pour these bowls of wrath out. And so the first bowl that is poured out on the earth are painful sores on all those who have taken the mark. So if you've taken the mark of the beast, there are going to be these awful, painful sores that come on your body. The second bowl that's poured out on the earth, the oceans turn to blood, and all the sea life dies. So the oceans turn to blood. And the third bowl, when it is poured out, the fresh water all turns to blood, and there is no more water sources. In the fourth bowl, the sun scorches human beings with intense heat. And so the sun becomes intensified on the earth. In the fifth bowl, agonizing darkness falls over the Antichrist's realm. And so as the Antichrist is moving toward the battle of Armageddon, he is covered in darkness. And anywhere other than Israel, it is completely dark. In the sixth bowl, the Euphrates River dries up to prepare the way for the armies from the east. So basically, anything that's hindering these armies from marching towards Israel are removed, and they head directly toward Israel. In the seventh bowl, the de there's devastating earthquakes and huge hailstones that begin to fall from the sky. I don't know how you could survive any of that, but all these things begin to happen. And if we really took time, and, and you read through this this week, imagine what the world would be like. We have calamities, we have tribulations in our life, but this is like one after another, after another, after another, until pretty much humankind is, is, is being destroyed. The world is being destroyed. And the funny thing is, the Bible is always extremely accurate about anything that it prophesies about, and Jesus is saying, look, this is coming. And like I said, you know, we kind of know deep down in our hearts that the end of the world is coming. The, the things like we've been talking about, these things are going to happen in our world. And that's why we need to be ready. We need to be ready. And so today, I want to conclude in Matthew chapter 24 with three pictures that God gives us in order to be ready before the tribulation. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to begin at verse 32. So if you have your Bible still open, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 24 and begin at verse 32. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away or pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was uh, going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you, too, must keep watch, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. 
If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. We need to be ready. Three pictures Jesus gives us in these final verses as he teaches us about what's coming. He first of all mentions the fig tree. That the fig tree, when you see the blossom on the fig tree, you know summer is coming. You know that there are going to be leaves and that there is going to be fruit. You know that it's coming to life and that at that moment there's a new season. And a lot of people in their interpretation of the Bible actually see the birth of Israel as a nation as that moment that the bud came to the tree and that's when these things begin to happen. When we see the prophecies of the Bible begin to happen in our day, we need to get ready because it's beginning. And what did Jesus tell us? He says, I'm at the door. When those things begin to happen, no, I'm at the door. I'm about to come in. And so that's what we need to be ready for. So that picture of the fig tree. The second picture Jesus gives us is the picture of Noah and the days of Noah. That no one knows the hour. That the people in Noah's day were just doing what they normally did. They were getting married and having kids and throwing parties and doing what they did in life. They were just living life. They had no idea what was coming. And just as Noah warned the people, Jesus is warning us in this passage of Scripture, you need to be ready. See, when Noah uh, was there, he, he got his family into the ark, and those who were in the ark were saved. And that ark is a type of Jesus. That when we're in Jesus, we're safe. We're saved. We're ready. And we need to be in that ark of safety. It goes back to you can't just live like this world tells you to live. You have to be ready. Don't just do what the world tells you to do. Do what God's word tells you to do. When Jesus takes this time to warn us, do not get distracted by the things of this world. Be ready for Jesus to come back. And he says, be ready at any time. It could happen at any time. The last picture Jesus gives us is the picture of a thief coming in the night. And he's saying that, that, that if you knew that a thief was coming to your door at night, you'd be ready. You'd be ready to scare them off and get rid of them. Christmas is coming, and, and so one of the movies, Christmas movies we like to watch is Home Alone. Anybody else watch Home Alone, okay? When the little guy realizes they're coming to his house that night, he's ready, right? Best part of the movie. He's ready when they show up. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming. Be ready. You know I'm coming. I'm telling you that I'm coming. You do not want to miss this. I'm coming. And here's the other thing. Jesus is saying, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be frightened. Yes, the tribulation is coming. Just be ready. Just be ready. Would you bow your heads and your hearts today? And I want us to get ready for the Lord's return. I want us to get ready for the rapture that we're going to talk about next week. I want our hearts to be right with God. I do not want us to be squeezed into this world's mold 
but rather that we would be transformed by Jesus, ready for him to come at any time. Because let me tell you, he's at the door. He's at the door. And tonight, he, today I should say he's knocking. We need to be ready. We need to, to have our hearts ready for the return of Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Jesus made a way for us to be ready. He made a way for us to be right with Him. He died on a cross for our sins. He suffered the punishment. It says that God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. You do not have to go through the wrath of the tribulation. You do not have to go through the wrath of judgment because that's already been poured out on Jesus. And Jesus invites you into a relationship with Him. He took your place. He took your punishment. He took your tribulation. He took your judgment. And we surrender to Him. We prepare our hearts. We follow Him. And so today we prepare our hearts by praying to Jesus, to confessing Him as Lord. And so today, if you want to be ready, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone that wants to be ready, repeat this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, I thank you uh, for those right now that just got ready. Lord, I thank you right now, Jesus, and I pray that we would all be ready. Jesus, we, we realize that you're at the door and we realize that you have warned us that these things are coming. But Lord, we want to be ready. God, help us not to live like in the days of Noah, just like everybody else did. But Jesus, that we would follow you with our life and you would, we would do what you have called us to do, that we would bow our knee to you as our Lord, as our Savior. And God, that we would live with that eternity in mind that you are coming for us, that we are hidden in you, and so that we won't just do what everybody else does at school or everybody else does at work or everybody else around me does. We, Jesus, we'll be like you. Jesus, make us like you. Lord, I pray that we would live lives that um, help others get ready. Lord, I pray that we would do that as a church in our missions work around the world. Lord, we, we want the whole world to be ready. Jesus, you desire everyone to be ready. But Lord, we don't want to forget our next door neighbor. We want to forget that family member. We don't want to forget that friend. Lord, I pray that we would live our lives ready. And God, that we would get as many other people ready as well. Jesus, thank you for your gentle kindness. Jesus, thank you for your harsh warning. And Lord, make us ready. Make us ready to see you. 
And thank you, God, that our world won't just continue on the way it is, but you will come and you will make all things new. You will bring justice. You will bring mercy. You will bring love. And Lord, we long for that day. Make us ready, Lord. That's our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I hope you're ready.